What up, what up, party people? This is Ian Lenhart coming at you from Miami, Florida, just to let you know that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And speaking of a good day, I feel like time has flown by these past three weeks to six months to COVID. I mean, I literally am blinking and we're coming into Thanksgiving. Like what? Do I go home and visit the fam for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for both? We already got to make these game time decisions. Meanwhile, you got the whole COVID craziness going on and just time has flown. And I think a lot of that has to do with everyone is so organized with their calendars because you can't have these small little minutia conversations anymore. You need to make sure you're talking to the team. So you're scheduling everything. If you're not scheduling everything, things aren't getting done but for me things have gone so fast and I know something I've been struggling is just trying to actually have you know a work-life balance you know sometimes do you ever feel like you're just always on right you know like you work all day and then you're still in the back of your mind keeping an eye out for that email and and that little tingling sensation of that that adrenaline of, of the serotonin rush you would get if you get that email and the deal closes or the introduction is made or something comes in it's hard to turn off and I know personally, I turn it off very terribly. Sometimes I'm checking my email till like 10.30 at night. And sometimes I wake up first thing in the morning. My eyes are dry. I haven't even looked at the sun yet. I pull out my phone and I'm just like, <sighs> eyes burning, looking at my emails because I'm stoked for the day, but I don't have the right routine. So here's a couple tips on how to separate your work from chill time, right? Work time is time to get stuff done, but you need to have your brain just relax because at some point you can only do so much for yourself so a couple of those things establish work-life boundaries some people use that through a schedule if you schedule something on your schedule do that schedule right if work time is from nine to five then work your ass off during that nine to five but afterwards make sure you actually chill decompress use things like meditation to decompress another thing is unplugging from technology this is something that i do terribly today but unplug don't be on your phone don't be in front of the laptop do something that gives gets you out, go play tennis. I'm about to become a tennis pro in the future. If you, if you don't play tennis, it's such a great activity. Do things that make you force you to get away from the technology. Scuba diving, if you have the luxury of going scuba diving, do it. Do something, anything, rollerblading, longboarding, painting, anything that gets you away from the stuff that you're seeing all the time. It'll refresh your body and make you feel so much better. So just make sure you're establishing those boundaries, you're taking care of your mental health and making sure that this is going to be, you know, the greatest month of your life. We're coming up on Thanksgiving, a lot of exciting times, end of Q4 for all the business owners out there. And today we have an incredible guest. We're talking to the legendary Krista Romano. She's incredible. I mean, if you go to her Instagram page, you instantly are just like, wow, she's living the dream. Yep. She's in Bali. She's got all the beautiful pictures. She's got the beautiful lifestyle. She's doing everything that most people, every millennial and every you know, young 30 year old wants to be doing right now, just living off in the middle of nowhere, building a business online. And she's incredible. She's such a good heart. She's the kindest person. I'm so grateful we had her on the podcast and we talked about all sorts of things. A lot of it was around this, this notion of being a digital nomad, of being able to pick up your office and go and do it anywhere. A big notion around building online courses, right? Like being able to take a skill that you have, framing it into an easy to listen type of broadcast that you can then present to somebody and build a business behind it. I mean, you can do that in so many different ways. So we talked a lot about that. The whole notion of just living remotely and also exploring your passions, not thinking about it too much, just sending it. You know, if you think it's a good idea, give it a shot. Worst thing that happens is you end back at square one, but the worst thing is always thinking, what if, what if I did that? That's the thing. So we're going to get rid of these what ifs. We're going to dive into this podcast. I appreciate you. I appreciate all our listeners. And with that said, let's jump into it. We're live. Krista, she's in the building. She's out in Bali. She's traveling the world. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited you're here. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. And, you know, when you check out your page instantly, you can just tell. You know so much about building a brand. You're so good at taking, you know, powerful photos and telling a story behind those photos, which is really, you know, the entire premise behind great marketing and the digital world. And so many people want to do what you're doing, traveling the world, working remotely. That remote lifestyle is just 
so amazing working at co-working spaces and seeing different people from all over. It's just new experiences and you're doing it and you've done it for a very long time. Is this something that you could just continue to do and do and do? Or do you think that sometimes you get a little bit burnt out with just constantly traveling and moving? Wow, you're asking me that question at really a time when I'm, I'm really, I've been considering that a lot. So for whoever's listening, who doesn't know me, I've been traveling for literally almost seven years in one month. It's going to be my like seven year anniversary um, from when I kind of changed my lifestyle. And I don't know, I guess they call it the seven year itch, like for a reason, maybe if you've done something or you've been married or whatever, for however long, like you start to crave a bit of a change. I don't know if it's because of COVID, like keeping me here in Bali and uh, haven't really ever been somewhere for as long as I've been here, which is six months, <laughs> by the way. Um, I'm really, I'm like loving living in Bali. So maybe even after the pandemic ends, I, I might not be traveling as quickly as I was before, but I will forever be a traveler. I will never not be a traveler. And I can say that with 100% confidence. So yeah, it's sustainable. It's interesting because some, I was speaking with one of my good friends, Dan, and he was mentioning that um, he has a lot of friends that are also doing the same travel deal. And, and sometimes when you're traveling so much, it's like, yeah, you're seeing the world from so many different angles. But sometimes it almost is like because you're moving around so much, you don't have enough time to really build like truer, deeper friendships and community because you're just always moving. So there's like pros and cons of both, right? Like seeing the world, experiencing it all, but then at the same time, like really getting deep in a community. What are your thoughts on that? I don't necessarily agree about the community thing um, because like I have my own perspective that I've developed about uh, relationships as a traveler. And I think it's not necessarily that it's better or worse. It's just different. But I will say that having like slowed down my traveling significantly slash stopped my travel because of the pandemic, I have much, much, much more time to work on myself. And so my relationship with myself has, has improved like exponentially. So that's been amazing. That's amazing. Cause you know how people always say like, for example, if you ever want to be in a good relationship with someone else, you need to love yourself first and be comfortable in your own skin and be happy being alone. Do you feel like mm -hmm. the traveling experience really just gets you, makes you just like learn to love yourself and, and, and learn about yourself more? Yeah. Like yes and no. Um, I mean, traveling alone, like I think, um, yeah, I, <sighs> There's, so, there's just so many things to learn in life. There's so many things to learn about ourselves. There's so many ways to learn about ourselves. So I would say after seven years of traveling, mostly solo, and by the way, I, during my travels, like especially this past year before the pandemic, like I felt like I was at the peak of my community. Like I've met so many travelers and now all of my, literally all of my closest friends are also nomadic. So we can travel together. We can meet up in random places. I have complete freedom to like go to every single wedding I've ever been invited to. And, you know, I think like for me, relationships were getting better. Um, but yeah, like I would learn a lot about myself in terms of what I was capable of. And I think that's a really cool side effect of traveling solo. Like you have to put yourself out of your comfort zone a lot of the time. Um, you have to put yourself in yeah situations that are new and unusual to you. So yeah, I think you learn a lot about yourself. Um, the kind of learning I'm doing about myself now is more like inner work, like meditation kind of stuff, which I felt like I didn't quite have the bandwidth to do when I was constantly hopping all over the world, but I was traveling like to a new place every three weeks on average, basically. So like I was aggressive with my traveling. <laughs> so like so. the first thing people say when you're, when you're doing that and you're traveling all over is like, well, girl, how are you paying for this? You know, mm -hmm. how do you build that remote lifestyle to be able to do what you're doing? Right. So could you kind of bring us through a little bit of the journey of, you know, how you even thought about kind of building this online brand and, and making money online and what that looks like to you? 
Sure. Well, funny enough, that's actually exactly what I do for a living now is help people um, develop location independent careers. And as a location independence career coach, I will say that like what I focus on is helping people discover what is the thing that is going to be the best suitable suited for them. And there's just an infinite number of things that you can do to work online. And I, I really mean that when I say infinite, it's not actually an exaggeration. Like there's just so many, there, I, I could talk forever about it, um, about all the different things that you could do. Um, but yeah, for, for people that want to develop their own location independent lifestyle and career, I would say it, you really need to think deeply about what are the things that you like doing in terms of work? Like what tasks have you ever done at work that, that bring you some sort of joy or make you feel confident? Um, what are, who are people in the world that you are interested in helping? And you know, it doesn't have to be like, you don't need to be a savior. Like you could help, like, um, you could help like moms or you could help restaurant owners or whatever. Um, but yeah, you kind of just want to think about what are things that you're good at? What are, who are, who are people you like to work with? Um, and then maybe you need to learn a new skill, but you can learn a new skill online with an online course super easily for like maybe an investment of $500 or less. And you put all those things together and you can build something. And as I'm saying this, I feel like that probably sounds really abstract, but, um, it's just, it's just getting over yourself really. And just being like, yeah, I'm just going to do whatever it takes to figure it out. And if you have that attitude, I promise you, you will just figure it out. It's not actually that hard. Right. It's interesting. Cause you can literally build a business doing anything. I mean, if you yeah. have that skill and, and one thing I find a lot with freelancers, um, I don't know if, do you know Alex Fasulo by any chance? Yeah, I do. All right. So she's a good friend of mine. She was actually just on the podcast again as well. And um, we were just talking She's about so like, <laughs> we were just talking about how basically when you are a freelancer and you have a sp like a particular skill set, how valuable it is to have like a referral network of people that do other things that are re like relative to a client. So an example for everyone listening would be like if someone was building a website, that's their specialty. Someone's a designer of the website. Someone's an SEO specialist for the website. All these different pieces plug together to help, you know, a client. But what happens is, is like building out that, that kind of network of people that can do a lot of these different things that need to get done. You're able to get referrals from each other. You help each other out and it allows you to get more business because like, one of the hardest parts, and I'm sure you've recognized this, is getting to a point where your residual income and what you're making is enough to sustain your lifestyle comfortably, right? And that's a different number for everybody, but getting there as fast as possible. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of like building that network of people um, that all kind of help each other with referrals and, and that community? Um, so, okay, two, two thoughts. First thing is... You don't need to reinvent the wheel to start working online and you don't need to have some kind of crazy skill that no one else can do. Like just pick one basic thing, one, one thing, like you said, like, like learn how to design a website or learn how to write blog posts really well, or learn how to like, um, edit Instagram photos really well. Just pick one thing, pick one thing. Then go on Facebook onto a group where people who need that one thing are in. So for example, if you know how to write Instagram, if you know how to like edit Instagram photos, you could go to um, a Facebook group where there's a bunch of like coaches, like people who have a personal brand who probably need better Instagram photos and just start, just start talking to those people. So like, even if no one in your own personal network needs your services, like there are groups of people out there just waiting for you to pitch to them. <laughs> it's just, it's easy. It's like, it's easy. 
that's so that's great because it is easy it's easy but so few do it right it's like the gym is the gym is easy you know it's like yeah hardest part is getting to the gym you know it's like you know that period when you're at the gym and you're sitting in your car for you your motorbike shout out and you're just Mm -hmm. sitting there and you're like doing you're playing on your phone you're like you're so close to the gym and yet you're still holding yourself back like five feet but then once you get in there it's easy like even with me in the podcast like when i'm in like grind mode I'm just like ripping it like beast, 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 like three or four podcasts in a day, like mm-hmm. booking a lot of meetings. But sometimes like if I'm in, if I'm working on, um, you know, um, my, my, uh, my data business or different types of stuff, like getting out of the funk, like stepping into the new world, you know, just to kind of do it. That's like the hardest part, you know, but once you're doing it, you're doing it. You feel me? Yeah. Well, cause it's what, what the point that I'm trying to make is just everything, like all the hard parts it's just in our minds. Like there's like anybody who's listening to this. I don't know who you are. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your education is. I don't know how much money you need to make. I don't know anything about you. You can do it. Like you can do it. You just need to get over your fear of putting yourself out there and like, just, just start and you can figure it out. Like, everything you need is out there for free. It's interesting because (laughs) true. It's interesting because if you can like tie your shoes better than 50% of the population, all of a sudden, like you got a skill, you know, (laughs) something as small as that. And and if you are, have the combination of being able to just get your stuff out there for the world to see, you can scale it. That's, I mean, that's where really a lot of people hit like a problem. Like they might start a little business doing some like web design, SEO, coaching, whatever but then they get too many clients and then they try to scale the business. But like giving the keys to somebody else to allow them to scale is like a very difficult thing, you know? Mm, Sure. Yeah, totally. That's like some next level, next level business stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, The, the outsourcing nature of it. First of all, Mm -hmm. I've heard nothing but amazing things about Bali. I've uh, one of my good friends, Cindy Cohen, she's a, uh, a director um, and she was living out in Bali for a while. Her good friend, Rosalia, Rosalia Heenan runs a company in Bali with, uh, she makes jewelry out there and like, it's beautiful. It's all about like the stones and the energy and the crystals. Uh, it's really good vibes from what I'm seeing out there. I believe the surfing's amazing. Is that true? Check, check, check. Yeah. It's, it's a little, it's a little paradise over here. I'm really grateful to be here for sure. I remember, so I haven't done, I've done a little bit of remote living, right? Like I did six months in Medellin, Colombia, shout out. I got this lion there from a street got street artist there. That's Favorite cool. lion ever, yeah. big, big fan <laughs> of it. Um, but it was amazing waking up, walking down the street and just being the odd person out. You know, I was sitting there with long hair and a beard. I looked like Jesus. People just didn't look like me in that area at the time, right? And it's probably still. And, you know, just going to a co-working space, pulling out your laptop and getting to work. What are your tips or insights about actually doing the work though? Because one thing that's tough is when you go to a co-working space, you just don't work. You know, you get caught up in all the outside activities. Like how have you been able to truly focus time that's working time and playing time? Like how do you adjust your calendar and things of that nature? Um, that's a great question. So, um, well, for the majority of my experience being a digital nomad, I actually had a full-time remote job where I was expected to be online Monday through Friday, 9am to 5pm Eastern time. Um, so in those situations, I just like, it was like being in an office, you know, sometimes you're at your desk and you're working and sometimes at your, your desk and you're shooting the shit with your coworkers. Like no one can work for eight hours straight productively. Um, now that I'm working for myself, I, well, first of all, like, I mean, I, I actually really liked my, my office job, but working for myself where what I'm doing feels like so much more purpose driven. And I'm just, I'm much more motivated because the work that I do directly relates to my personal income and my personal success. So first of all, I feel I, I'm excited to do my work and I like doing my work. And even if, even if stuff's difficult, like I like wake up and I want to, 
I want to do the work. So that helps a lot. But also um, what's cool is like when you are able to work, when you personally feel in flow, you can be much more productive in a shorter amount of time. Um, so like if I need to take a random Wednesday off to, you know, go do some errands or whatever, like the next day I might be like, okay, like I took Wednesday off. I really want to get this stuff done. So I'm going to give myself like the full day Thursday. Um, and, but when I say full day, I'm not going to start until 11 AM because I'm just not, my, my brain isn't like super awake in the morning. Like I like have a chill morning and then I work and I work maybe from like 11 to like six. And th those are like good hours. And that's like a solid amount of time to actually be working. So yeah. Did I answer the question? That was amazing. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I like that you mentioned that you were working a nine to five originally. So when mm -hmm. I moved to Medellin, I was also working remote. So it was easy. I was like, Hey, why don't I just save a lot of money and live here and have a cool experience? Like, why do you care? Like I'm online. Right. Um, and that's cool because like the Rona, shout out the Rona, is, is teaching people more and more that you can work remote and, and do things online like pretty easily. Um, with that said, uh, I think that one thing that people might be listening right now and being like, okay, cool. Yeah, like look at, she's like, oh, she works from like, she works by herself. Easy for her to say, right? But like they're stuck in a nine to five that they might not be like truly passionate about. My big thing to hear is like flip the script on it, right? Like the way I see a nine to five in a business is learn something from it. Like look at it as literally the learning in the preview step of whatever you're doing to maybe one day be able to do on your own, right? So like, cool. because the hardest thing about working from or home is just doing work for yourself. It's so hard. Like when someone tells you to do something, it's easy, right? It's like, oh, well, you're going to work from here to here. And then you're like, all right, well, I'm going to have a happy hour from five to seven and, and, and we got a schedule right? Mm -hmm. But to be able to put your own hours and wake up like when you're tired, like still to get stuff done. That's the one of the hardest things ever. So just a couple of quick tips, like time management, like getting out there and, and, and setting a precedent to make sure you're following through with the things you committed on, right? Because you know, this consistency is everything. Like it doesn't matter if you're the smartest, the best looking, the best talker, the best speaker. If you're consistent, you win over time, like inevitably. Um, obviously yeah. like if you just suck, like, that's one thing, but like most likely or not, you're not going to, you know, and I've seen yeah. that you've been so consistent for so long and like, you just have such a good attitude and you're positive and, and you share growth tips and life into people just through your posts. And like, I mean, you're a great writer. Uh, that's a really big skill that you have because you're authentic. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I think. I, I heard one, I saw like, I think it was like literally one post on Instagram, one that really like flipped or like, what's it, what's the expression? Flip the for? script. No, not even that. It was like a light bulb, like a, like a light bulb moment for me. Um, is just that like when you're putting content online, talk, just talking about yourself, like, sorry, no one cares no one cares. No one cares if you're just talking about yourself, like what you had for breakfast that day or whatever, like people, people always want what's in it for them. And so as someone who's trying to, as someone who's trying to grow a business, grow on social media, um, you know, like gain interest from other people for whatever reason, you need to be providing value. You need to be giving those people a reason to follow you. And so if I'm ever talking about myself, I'm not talking about something boring. I'm at least going to be talking about like a super inspiring story or an experience, a lesson learned that I had. Otherwise, yeah, I am going to be giving tips, practical, practical shit. Um, and that's, uh, that definitely has contributed like that. That was like that, like one piece of advice, like changed everything for me. Do you ever leverage live video whenever you do stuff like Instagram live, Facebook live? Sometimes. Yeah. Depends on my internet connection. <laughs> so, I love that. Not always. It's interesting because um, in direct sales and like online marketing and network marketing, not online mar network marketing particularly, like mm -hmm. live video is so important to build a brand. 
um, to be able to go on live and, and market products and talk about products and show your like your lifestyle. Obviously, you can do it through mm. posts as well, but like nothing's more authentic than live video. It's like, what up? Here I am. You see me? Like, this, yeah. is, this is what you're getting. But one thing, like yeah. a, a big tip, I hear a lot in that space is to act as if you're speaking to just one person. So like if we were doing like a one-on-one right now, like this could be being shown to thousands of people live. Like it will when the podcast comes out, but to master the ability to be able to speak to one person, I feel like that's like such a gift and such an art that takes so long to learn. You know, I'm barely there. Um, But it's interesting because like you're talking about building connection and like relating to people. Hmm. That's actually, um, that is actually like a principle of foundational marketing is identifying who there's, there's a term for it and everything, your ideal client avatar. Um, I think a lot of people who are like, don't really understand marketing or they're just not that good at marketing. Maybe they, they feel like they need to reach as many people as possible because they, they just think about it very like black and white. Like I want more sales, therefore I need to reach more people and they don't care who those people are. But like those people, you, you really just need to pick one of them that is gonna be the person that you most wanna reach and that's most gonna resonate with what your message is. And yeah, you, you strategically, like it's not an accident to talk to just one person on a live, like theoretically, it's like, be be strategic about it like define that person like give them a name go find a picture on 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 google and like you know so anyway my my ideal client avatar her name is brooklyn yeah (laughs) and she like yeah she um she's 23 years old and she's been living and working at an agency and she's burnt out by it and she's just over it and she wants to travel but she feels like she has no money that's who i'm talking to in everything that i do and like it doesn't mean that other people can't listen it just means that when i speak or when i write copy or when i do literally anything that has to do with my brand or my marketing like it just makes everything so much more cohesive and clear. And um, when you're cohesive and clear and consistent, people start trusting you because they see you being authentic because you're just the same across the board all the time. And um, yeah, it's just mar- marketing 101 is know who your ICA is, your ideal client avatar. And it's just going to make your whole, your whole everything so much easier. <laughs> That's interesting. And- I love that. Cause like in like the enterprise sales type of world that it's the same, it's very similar ICP ideal customer profile. So like different go. ways of saying it and like niching out that perfect heart. And like, what do you recommend to the people? And, and I'm in that situation very much like this where you don't have like an ICP, right? Like you like so many different things and you can't yeah. niche out. What do you say to people in that sense? I say too bad, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> like <laughs> I say, pick one, pick, pick one, pick one thing. Um, I have a lot of interests. I have many interests. I'm, I, I, how could I not, you know what I mean? But, um, but my, my, the things that you hear me talking about on social media, it's, it's traveling, it's, it's remote career, it's digital nomad stuff. It's like those that's my niche. That's what I talk about. Do I talk about, do I post about like, um, golden retrievers? I love golden retrievers. I love them. Love them. Want to to cuddle them all day, but do I post about them? No. Do I post about what I ate for breakfast today? No. Do I post about like, I don't even know, like my, I don't know, my, my brother's birthday, like, sorry to my brother, but like, I'm not going to post about his birthday on my thing unless I can tie it into the brand. And, um, I think when you have a personal brand, you do have to make those like sacrifices, if you will, that you, you just, you just can't talk about all the things that you love because it's gonna, it's gonna, um, thin your content and therefore you're not going to be as consistent. Therefore people aren't going to trust you as much. And like, if you're going to be, if you're going to build a personal brand, 
you need to take it ser- you need to take it seriously like you just have to pick something and and be be consistent about it interesting yeah. something i learned from you right there is is mm-hmm. taking like the overarching theme right so yeah. like what can you link to all the other passions you know like if you do love golden retrievers too then maybe you can do some blog posts about how you visited a golden retriever park in uruguay and because you're a travel nomad yeah um this is another another uh principle in marketing something that i also teach in uh in my digital nomad mentorship programs but um yeah when you're building a brand too like you want to make sure you know what your content pillars are and you probably shouldn't have more than five so mine um i guess i haven't thought about the strategy in a long time because now it's just like who i am but i talk about yeah travel i talk about destinations um digital nomad lifestyle remote career stuff um my personal story and and stuff that inspires me um but stuff that inspires me related to lifestyle and travel and digital nomad career so like those are my five content pillars and you can scroll back for years you will not find a single post that doesn't fit into one of those categories so you can have more than one thing like it doesn't need to be like so 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 focused um but you you don't want to have too many because yeah then you're going to spread yourself thin and then people are going to not know what to expect and they see your content and it's just not gonna speak so clearly to who your ica or your icp or whatever is um and yeah and I could just talk about marketing for a really long time. I love it. It's good <laughs> though. Like that's, that's really what I want to, I want to pick your brain at cause you're so good at it. Um, and, and to you, you might not even feel like that because to you, it's so second nature. Like you said, you've been doing it for so long. It's who you are. You don't even have to think about it. Like, Oh, you wake up and you look in the mirror. You're like, what up? You're a marketer. Damn true, <laughs> you know? Mirror looks back like damn straight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's part of your blood. You've been doing it long enough. It's not scary. It's not weird. Obviously, I'm sure you have days where like you're just like, I don't want to do this. What do you do on the days sure. you don't want to do this? What are the what do you do on like do you ever have like a full week where you're just like, I, I can't, like, I'm just gonna take a break out of life and like walk us through those those uh those day in the life crises and how you figure those out. Well, I totally took like three weeks off of working when the pandemic first happened. Like I was, I was very much in internal crisis mode. Like, you know, we all, we all were. Um, but I was, I was just trying to figure out like where I was going to lay my head every night, basically like being a traveler when, uh, borders were slamming down in my face left and right. Like that was really scary and intense. So yeah, I pretty much didn't work for like three weeks. Um, and I just, I just had to apologize to my clients and I ended up giving them like two extra free weeks of coaching because I wasn't fully present during those weeks that I was just like, you know, not, not emotionally, mentally available for them. Um, so yeah. Um, and yeah, like you just have to take care of yourself and I mean, I like, I guess when I had my nine to five, I definitely partied a lot more than I do now. Um, Now, like, I don't want to be hungover because I want to be working. So um, I think like the motivation, I totally, I have days where I just like don't want to do something and that's okay. I let myself have those days that I don't do anything because I know that like, I still want to be working. So the motivation will come back. I just trust that it will. And it's like not a problem. So yeah, some days you just got to enjoy the fact that you live in Bali and you go to the beach. How has like Bali been with COVID? Yeah. Um, good. It's been good. Um, like are people like normal or are like, are people over it or is it masks very normal? Like what's good? things are pretty much normal here you um, you probably wouldn't even know that there's a pandemic out there um so yeah really really feeling super blessed to be here um there have just been very few cases um 
any cases that I've heard about, it's just been people that like have it for three days and then they get over it. And yeah, so bars are still open. There was like a few months, um, probably like in May things started opening up. So like the first few months of COVID, um, a lot of stuff was closed and you had to wear a mask everywhere. And now it doesn't really feel like that anymore. Do you scuba dive? Yeah, I do. Amazing. (laughs) I'm so jealous. I love diving and uh, Bali's like one of the best places to do it. It's it's a good spot. I actually went a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's, it was beautiful down there. You know what was really nice about scuba diving that I just want to share with everybody is like we hear all this stuff about the coral reefs just dying and like, you know, as someone who travels as much as I do, I really care about the environment and I really care about the world and it just breaks my heart to hear stuff like that. So I really was so pleasantly surprised that one of the scuba diving sites that I went to was an um, a shipwreck. And literally, like you couldn't even see the ship because it was teeming with beautiful life. Like the most colorful coral, so many fish, like gorgeous like anemone seaweed everywhere and it just was it was amazing and i was like oh my god like stuff like the world can rebuild itself we just got to give it a chance so that was really nice thought i'd share that story <laughs> right, thanks for sharing i mean there's not to me like you, you mentioned meditation right i definitely mm-hmm. have a, i struggle with meditation I, t- I tell our listeners all the time i just I'm a squirrel you know i'm just always moving around right um but diving is the only time I know I'm meditating because like you're not mm-hmm. thinking about anything else besides the fact that you got to breathe and if that breathing stops you better be you better be ready to swim <laughs> up on a controlled descent you know you're, you're just so, so you're so engulfed and focused in this new world it's like real life Pokemon like you look to the left angelfish ray like you just never know what's coming it's like this beautiful world of what's going to come next it's the most exciting thing like ever everyone should dive and if you don't dive at least snorkel you know what i mean yeah i agree i agree it is very meditative and just cool to like experience uh like upside down life basically like the other side the other side everyone needs people need hobbies you know it's like I think this, like one of the sexiest attributes in a human's personality is their ability to be into multiple hobbies at the same time, right? Mm. Like if you don't have good hobbies, I feel like that's a red flag, right? Like just in a relationship and anything like in life, you need hobbies because you need things that you're proud of that drive you. Like even if your hobby is building an online business, that's a hobby, right? Like you're into it, right? Um, Or you treat it like a business. But I just think that everybody needs more things that they're doing like are you playing tennis racquetball if you're in video games like it's a hobby like people need to find more things they're passionate about and then i think they'll enjoy and love life more i agree amen amen right (laughs) because it's like there's so many things out there that are interesting archery pretty sick all right like i don't know if you've ever seen lord of the rings but if you want to go full legolas and want to learn how to be an archer that sounds like a great thing to do if you want to get into plants learn plants youtube plants i've been researching heavily about getting bengal cats do you know what bengal cats are uh no are you a cat person i'm not i'm allergic to cats are you a dog you're a dog person all right fair enough well i uh I'm going to be getting my own place in like two months here. And I think I'm going to get like these Bengal. They're like super expensive, but they look like little leopards and they're just gorgeous. So I've been looking at Bengal cats and that gets me stoked at night. Like everybody needs to find something that gets them excited about life and makes them more happy because it'll just make them better at what they do. You feel me? Yeah, I I do. I do. That's the, that's the word of the day. Now in terms of like spitting this back towards your incredible marketing career and things that you have done, what changed for you when you felt like you were doing decent and then you got to a point where you were like, good, did you implement any strategies that changed? And like, do you remember like a certain moment where like things really clicked for you? Yeah, I hired a business coach. It was like probably the big, it was the biggest investment I personally have ever made in my life. And it paid off so much. 
and she really just changed everything for me. Um, yeah. So for anyone listening, like having some kind of coach, if it's, if it's a life coach, cool. That's a bit broad, I think, but like you can get a coach on any, anything you want, anything. There's a coach for everything. Um, so I hired a business coach and she changed my life and obviously helped me create a business. So that was super cool. Um, but the other thing is audiobooks. Huge, little, but huge, like seriously made such a big impact on my life. Um, because books who knew <laughs> are filled with such good stuff and there's so many good ones out there and that you can learn so much from books, but I never, I, I was never drawn or attracted to books because I fall asleep when I read words on a page. It just like, it's like automatic. Like I'm out like a light, like five minutes. I'm done. doesn't matter how much sleep I got, where I am, what I'm doing. Like I'm just out down for the count. So I never considered audiobooks. And then I got one and I like flew through it and I could like turn the speed up. And now I'm, I'm always like reading slash listening to like three books at a time. And it's just changed my life. It's been amazing. I that's incredible. I agree. I can't read. I, I can read. I don't like to read. Uh, but like I've been getting into like fantasy novels. And I know that's like a little bit like off stretch, but it's amazing. Cool. You know, I've been listening to Brandon Sanderson a lot. Like it's incredible the lessons you learn inside of these books too. And you just get drawn to them, right? And that's again, it's it's more things that excite you and move you. And then the audible content today with like Robert Kiyosaki and the secret, we were talking about the secret earlier today and, and just attracting things into your life. I mean, one audiobook can change your life. Is there a specific book you recommend to people? Yes. It is called You Are a Badass at Making Money. Interesting. Every and in, in at, like every single one of my clients, I'm like, this is the first thing that you need to do is listen to this book. Um, it is, it is life-changing because we all have a relationship to money. I don't know. I'm sure you've thought about this before, but I think a lot of people, this concept that like we have a relationship to, to, to everything, to all to all concepts in our world. We have a relationship to our hygiene. We have a relationship to sleep. We have a relationship, we have a relationship to money. Um, and your relationship to money can be improved. And when you can improve your relationship to money, you improve your career, you improve like your spending habits, which then you can improve your lifestyle. Um, and you know, money, it's just money is such an important aspect of our life um that if you can really develop a good relationship with money then yeah your 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 whole life starts to change so i i just and that book's so fun to read it's like really digestible um it's very 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 relatable and uh just awesome that's awesome yeah i like that you brought that up because like people that take the time to learn that changes everything right mm -hmm. like I have a couple of friends that are like credit hackers and they like do the whole credit card deal and like the whole travel Ooh. hacking world. It's so interesting. Like what you can do if you just like understand how to use and leverage credit and understanding just the basics of finance, mutual funds and how money works and things of that nature. It's not yeah. taught to us, right? Like you have to go out there and be curious, curious enough to learn. And, and that's sometimes a daunting task, especially if you don't come from money. It doesn't seem like a topic that's typically talked a lot about. Yeah. Well, so like that, all that stuff, like totally that plays into our relationship with money. But um, this book actually just like really goes more into like our, like our soul relationship with money. Like, like, do we think that money is abundant or do we think that money is scarce? Do we think that there's enough money for everyone or do we think that we have to like fight for money? Do we think that, um, that there will always be another way to make money or do we think that our methods of making money are extremely limited to like, you know, whatever. Um, 
do we, yeah, do we think that the sources are ever going to run out? That really like the abundance versus scarcity mindset with money is, is the biggest thing. Um, but also like there's in the book, she also like challenges you to go back to parts of your childhood where you first understood what the concept of expensive or cheap was and what was happening in your life at that time and who was teaching you about those things and what was that person's relationship to money. So I, can I tell you a little story? This was how I started like thinking about this. So the first time that I, that the first time that like, I think I really understood what money was, was when I was like, I think I was like seven years old. We, my family was buying a new car. We were getting a minivan because now we had four kids and we needed a bigger car. So my dad is a very frugal person. Very, very, very frugal. And, um, and uh, yeah, anyway, just this car, it was like, the biggest deal ever that we were like getting. I just remember sitting at the dinner table and like the conversation every night was like, what color are we going to get? Is it like, what are the safety features and how long is it going to last? And blah, blah, blah. I, like now that we're spending money on this, what does it mean we can't spend money on? And there was just all these conversations about this thing in my seven-year-old brain that I was learning about for the first time related to this big thing called money. And then the car came finally, we like finally got the car, cleared out the driveway or the garage or whatever. And then I remember that night I was like, so concerned about the car. I kept sneaking downstairs to open the garage door and peek on the car to make sure that it was okay. Because I knew that this car equaled a lot of money. And I didn't know what a lot of money was, but I knew that it made my parents stressed out and like consumed. So how do you think that affects how I thought about money? I probably, I, in, in my head and in my heart, I equated money to something related to stress. And I always thought maybe I don't need that much money because I only want enough for what I need. So I won't feel this feeling of stress. So now that I've read this book and I've started work and I worked with a coach and whatever, I had to readjust my, my beliefs about money to allow me to make more money because you can only make as much money as what basically like vibration you're putting out there. And the vibration I was putting out there, was like, I only want to make what's enough, but now I want an abundance of money and I'm making an abundance of money, which it's just like, it was like a mindset shift and just changed everything. That's amazing. Thanks for telling that story. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> needs to read the book. So good. It's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, like these, these preconceived notions that we're born with that we don't even really know is happening to us, but based on some experience we have, it's shaped everything about who we are today. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Everything when we're little kids shapes our life. Like they say up like, because if you think about it, when you say, so that story was when I was seven years old, right? And at the time, like the ratio of my life, I had many, like much fewer days that were like all added up to, to equal who I was and what I knew about the world. And I didn't have much life experience, obviously, because I was seven. So like this car was a really freaking big deal. Now, if I bought a car, it wouldn't be as big of a deal because it's just one event in like many, 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 many life events. But when you're a little kid, it's just like every single event is so much more magnified and it's the first time we're learning about anything. And we like learn how we, we learn to navigate the world and all of our relationships with people and with concepts like money in those early years. So yeah, like any. I could go on a whole tangent about like childhood, how it affects our life too, but well, that, well, that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did because that kind of leads us to, to this, this overarching question. And it's like, if you could go back in time, right, maybe mm -hmm. right before you went on the seven year travel hiatus uh, and you could have eh, like 10 years, the three years prior to that. Right. So like 10 years ago, and you could have told yourself like one, two or three things that would have saved you a ton of time, money, heartache, headache, and like the most reasonable answer there is I wouldn't change anything because it made me who I am, right? Like that's a great answer. But is there anything that you would have told yourself with everything you know now to like 
kind of kick it into gear earlier? Um, I would have told myself to have more trust, to trust myself more that I would figure out whatever situation was going to happen. And that like, basically everything's going to be okay. Like, I think when, when people say like, everything's going to be okay, then the person receiving that advice is like, well, how, like, how do you know it's going to be okay? And it's like, we don't know how the thing is like, just trust yourself enough to fit, to like, believe that you will figure it out. Like, that's how it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because you're going to make it okay. You're just gonna, if you have a good attitude and you take action on your life, like everything's going to work out. So yeah, I think it would have saved me from feeling stressed and in a scarcity mindset about money and my career and about my travel opportunities and everything. Um, yeah, so was it. There it is. Well, Krista, I could talk to you forever. I'm really grateful that this experience has connected us. And honestly, I just think that you're just getting started uh, in terms of like your impact and everything you're doing right now and, and with, your, with your clients and your coaching and just I, I think that you're very humble too. Like you, like you're, okay. you're really crushing it and you're just very chill. And, and I think that goes down to that seven-year-old girl. She's just, she's a chiller. She's, she's a nice person. Um, how, can <laughs> pe- <laughs> how can people follow you and find you and learn more about the Krista, Krista lifestyle? Yeah. So um, I'm Krista Bella travels on both Instagram and TikTok. Um, I love TikTok. You guys should totally get on it if you're not already. Um, but yeah, both both platforms. I, I put a lot of content um, out there, and usually I'm a, well. I become less available to answer DMs and stuff. But if you send me a thoughtful message, I I'll probably respond. So yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, until next time. Hopefully, we can stay in touch and maybe get you on in the future and get the and get the Krista point two version. Yeah, that'd be so fun. Thanks so much for having me. This is is a blast. We appreciate it. Till next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.